Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Darshawn McAway. You're tuned in to Wild Podcast. By all means, go to wildpodcast.me. That's W-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot M-E. Now, today we have a special guest. We have author James Morrow. He's here to talk to us about his latest book, The Prolonged Republic. James, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good deal. So let's talk about The Prolonged Republic. What is this book about? It's uh, a satire, uh, a future history of uh, of the American Republic, focusing on uh, the presidential administration of of Mike Pence. It imagines a future in which uh, in which Donald Trump has been reelected in 2020, and then uh, Mike Pence succeeds him in the uh, in the White House in 2024, whereupon whereupon uh, uh, California and Oregon and Washington get together, form a kind of republic of their own, and secede from from the Union. Uh, I should say that the Purloined Republic is part of a collection of three novellas uh, that will be published collectively under the title And the Last Trump Shall Sounds, coming out from, from Ark Manor, edited by... Uh, Shahid uh, Mahmoud. Um, so I had a lot of fun with this wacky premise. It was not my premise. We were each of, each of the three of us. Uh, the other two authors are Harry Turtledove and Cat Rambo. We were we were given this future history and told to just run with it. We each took it in a slightly different direction, although the the novels do form a, a chronological sequence, and they they allude to each other. So why did you choose that title? <laughs> uh, well, it's it, uh, at one level, I guess it evokes the famous Edgar Allan Poe short story, The Purloined Letter, uh, purloining meaning to steal. And uh, you know, I'm suggesting that uh, the Republican Party, or particularly the, the, the Donald Trump cult within the, within the Republican Party, has, has stolen our country. They've, they've hijacked. The democracy and replaced it with their authoritarian fantasies that they're acting out in the real world. So your novella opens up years after ex-president Trump has died of a heart attack, and yet you managed to bring him on stage. How did you manage to do that? Uh, well, I, I should mention that uh, my entire story is told from the point of view of a of a woman who, uh, for years, made her her living as an actress in adult films. Um, we don't need to elaborate on that, but this is a family podcast. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Star yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, she, uh, she gets the job of pretending to be Mike Pence's uh, spiritual advisor as a faith counselor because she happens to, she happens to be a dead ringer uh, for the fictional character of Walker Lambert, who has been advising Pence in, in uh, matters of faith. Um, so she's hired by uh, the, the equivalent of the CIA in this, in this part of the union that, that, uh, that is now its own, the, the three states that have seceded. They call themselves Pacifica collectively, California and Oregon and Washington. Um, that uh, she, uh, uh, she is hired by them to uh, pretend to be 
the advisor, and, and to offer all sorts of outrageous advice to Pence, the hope being that uh, at some point some other states in, in the U.S. will will want to secede, and this will weaken this will weaken the uh, the Pence administration, which they uh, which which they regard as their as their dire enemy, and and uh, so all kinds of crazy uh, uh, directives start coming out of the White House, like uh, uh, declaring a poverty tax, which everybody at first hears as uh, a, a property tax. No, no, a poverty tax, taxing people for being poor. This will inspire them to to get some marketable skills and uh, making Ramadan illegal and uh, declaring Kristallnacht a national holiday, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, the most outrageous one, uh, Pence becomes convinced that he has the power to bring Trump back from the dead. Trump Trump has died. Um, one, one too many double whoppers, as my colleague uh, Harry Turtledove puts it in the first, in the first novella. Uh, in fact, Pence is not going to does not have the power to resurrect Donald Trump, but they managed to switch switch out Donald Trump's corpse for a um, uh, for a uh, uh, an automaton, one of those robots of the sort you see at Disney World, like the the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, ride. I'm going to read just, uh, if I might, uh, Darshan a. Um, a piece of the of the resurrection scene, so I can by call it up here. By all means, go ahead. Uh, okay, okay, here we go. Um, so, so, so Trump has pronounced uh, over the over the what he thinks is the corpse. It's really just this robot. Uh, you know, take Eden's clay in thy hands, O ye angels of earth, and mold for this man a new body that he may walk among us once again. Donald Don Donald John Trump come forth. With the understandable awkwardness of a newly resuscitated corpse, Mr. Trump climbed the spiral staircase to the pulpit. This is all happening in the Washington National Cathedral. And pursing his lips, scanned the audience. Hello, all you smart and terrific ever Trumpers out there. I'm told they've never had so many American citizens in this church before. You probably believe it was Panty Waste Pants who brought me back. Not true. I did it all myself. Me, little Mick, Mikey's not a necromancer or any sort of romancer, I hear. Very frustrating for his wife. So there I am lying in my casket in the Trump mausoleum, which is much bigger than Grant's tomb and the Pyramid of Cheops put together. And I got to thinking about how I'm a, they say I'm a polarizing figure, but they also say I'm depolarizing because our great policies are causing the ice caps to melt. Make up your damn minds. Polarizing or depolarizing, which is it? All this whining about our planet being on fire, it's a swindle perpetrated by our corrupt deep state news media because only God can thaw a glacier, and if we really needed the ice, he would have let us keep it, but we don't need it. I've got plenty in my fridge, etc. This rant goes on for about four, four pages and comes very near the, the end of the novella. Very interesting. Um, the first thing I, I tend to think about when any author comes out with the book is where did the inspiration come from what was that moment for you when you realized that hey i want to write this particular book this type of way yeah well um in point of fact uh darshan i i turned down the assignment when it was when the idea was first brought to me by uh 
by the publisher slash editor, uh, Shahid uh, Mahmoud. And uh, I, I said to Shahid, I, I find this too depressing. And um, I think it, I think it defies satire, this idea of, of Trump not only getting a second term, but then being uh, succeeded by, um, succeeded by, by Donald Pence. Uh, so I, I turned it down and then a couple of days later I said, wait a minute, um, I could imagine Pence resurrecting Donald Trump from the dead. And I said, okay, I've got to write that. I've got to put, I've got to put that, <laughs> I've got to put that on paper. Um, right. But there's something about the Trump administration, one could argue, that that defies satire, right? I mean, this is um, uh, it's such a uh, it's a it's a challenge. Um, It's almost as if like when when Jonathan Swift wrote his his classic uh, burlesque in the the early 18th century, a modest proposal uh, that that essay in which he suggested. the impoverished Irish people could uh, could solve their economic problems by selling their children as food to rich gentlemen and ladies in in England. Um, it, w- it was this, it would be as if Trump was or, or Jonathan Swift were writing that essay in a world in which this had actually happened that children really were being sold uh, as food. So uh, jumping ahead uh, to today, um, you know. I, one is uh, at odds sometimes. It's that tall order to ridicule something that's already so hyperbolic as Trump's policies. But uh, between my notion of the resurrection and then the premise of this um, this actress impersonating and do, doing a kind of cross-gender impersonation of Mike Pence's spiritual advisor, I said, okay, um, I'm, I'm on board with this after all. Now, I've been asking this question to myself a lot lately, and I've been trying to figure out what would my last words be if I decided to write my last book and I just didn't know what was going to happen moving forward. What do you want people to remember about you? Not to put this in a downer, but what would you want people to remember about you if you wrote your last book? I like to think people will say James Morrow helped us recover the Enlightenment ideals that that underlie this republic, the, the, the the, the acknowledgement that humans are very fallible creatures, and so a government of checks and balances, a government that allows for human weakness while it celebrates freedom and diversity at the same time is, is, is so valuable, and we need to get that back. Well, one last question before we go. What I want to mm-hmm. know is, who is James Morrow? I've written a lot of... Uh, fiction, uh, some of it published as science fiction, some as theological fantasy, some as more or less straightforward historical fiction, but with some sort of postmodern twists. Um, and I, I guess on my tombstone, it should say satirist. Uh, if it said <laughs> science fiction writer, that would be fine with me, too. But I, I, I sort of not navigate by uh, the, the the, the great satirists of, of days gone by. You know, I, I worship at the altar of, of Voltaire, and I mentioned Jonathan Swift earlier, and uh, certainly in more recent generations, uh, Joseph Heller and Kurt Vonnegut Jr. 
Well, you're listening to a Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Darshan McAway. We're talking to author James Morrow about his latest book, The Prolonged Republic. James, it was such a pleasure speaking with you. I had a great time. I hope we can do it again, assuming I get to write another book. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, assume I li- assuming I live long enough. Uh, oh, you I will. You will. Pretty likely. This was a lot <laughs> of fun. Thank you so much. No problem.